One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Top Stories. I'm producer Chris. Hello. Here at The Bugle, 52% of us love an election. It's a chance to see democracy in its rawest form. And so in November 2007, Andy and John were revelling in an announcement by Pakistan's Pervez Musharraf. Top Story this week, Pakistan! Pervez Musharraf, after instilling emergency powers, has promised to stage elections by January the 9th of next year. And I imagine that he put particular emphasis on the word stage. Because <laughs> there will be no freedom of the press, no freedom of association, or freedom of speech. So this might be quite a minimal staging of a democratic election. It'll be like a Brechtian production of the electoral process, stripped right down to its bare essentials. Well, I for one cannot wait for the election in Pakistan, John, because here in Britain we missed out on having a general election here because it turned out that it was going to be too dangerous for British people to vote after mm-hmm. dark. So I'm going to get really stuck into the Pakistan election. I haven't decided who I'm going to vote for yet, so I'm just going right. to wait and see what the candidates have to offer me. I-, I will find a way to vote in Pakistan. I'm not technically allowed to, but I think if I write to the right people, I'll get a go. I think Musharraf, as a candidate, is going to offer you voting for him Oh, that's it. That's it. That's what, that is what he's going to offer you. <laughs> well, that's quite, a, that's quite a good agenda. It keeps it nice and simple. That's right. And this, could, this Pakistani election uh, might become the greatest electoral sham since the Zimbabwe election recently, where one township actually registered a 110% turnout. You can say what you like about Robert Mugabe. He is fighting the war against apathy. <laughs> and he, he's winning it. Arguably winning it slightly too much. Apparently, George W. Bush put in a phone call to uh, Musharraf last week, John. Asked mm-hmm. him who, to relinquish control of the army. This, of course, came from President Bush, <laughs> the commander in chief of the U.S. Armed Forces. <laughs> That's correct. But what what he actually said, let's be fair, Andy, what he actually has suggested is that uh, Musharraf take off his uniform. And his only problem, Bush, is with the uniform. He just wants him to change into something else. It's it's the uniform that Musharraf wears that keeps reminding Bush of his own pitiful service during Vietnam. <laughs> it's just nagging at a conscience that doesn't wish to be nagged. Well, I've actually got a direct transcript of that phone call between Musharraf and oh, yeah. uh, and Bush, and it reads like this, uh, John. Musharraf starts, You want me to relinquish control of the armed forces? <laughs> yep. Right. A- and you? What about me? Uh, is there something you want to say, Pervez? Uh, <laughs> go on. Oh, you wouldn't understand, George. Try me. Uh, what else do you want me to do, then? 
Well, Pervez, I want you to stop curtailing human rights, stop detaining people without trial, that kind of shtick. You know, stop trying to fill the Supreme Court with your own cronies. George, are you taking a piss? That's what really <laughs> went on in that phone call. Now, Musharraf is also claiming that he's going to clamp down on the internet, which means that any criticism of Musharraf might lead to listeners in Pakistan not being able to hear this. Now, luckily, it is a cold, hard fact that the only thing government censors cannot detect is sarcasm. So, here goes. (laughs) Oh, Musharraf is doing just a tremendous job over there, Andy. Declaring states of emergency is always a great idea and has absolutely no catastrophic historical parallels. Well done. I'm thinking you are being a bit hypocritical on this. How much do you actually know about Pakistan? Well, what do you mean? Well, I don't think you know a great deal. I'm going to give you a quick quiz to see how much you know about uh, this country that you're criticising so roundly. I've got three questions about Pakistan for you, and we'll see what percentage knowledge you have about Pakistan. Okay, try The gauntlet is down. Question one. Which Pakistani took six wickets in the Laws Test of 1982? Oh, I... I'm going to have to hurry. It was Madassa Nazar. Who was the captain uh, of Pakistan when they beat England for the first time in the Oval Test of 1954? Are all these questions about cricket, Andy? It was Abdul Hafiz Kardar. And finally, when Pakistan won the Cricket World Cup in 1992, who had their most economical bowling figures? Bit of a surprise answer, this one. So your answer was yes? It was Akib Javed, John. That's naught (laughs) out of three. Would you not say those are questions primarily about cricket, Andy? I guess you could look at them that way. I will ask you a follow-up question to that. Andy, do you know anything about Pakistan that isn't the capital city of it or something about cricket? To be honest, John, no. Andy, do you even know the capital of Pakistan? I do, but only because cricket is played there. (laughs) There is a key problem, Andy, with uh, combining military rule with an attempt at democracy... And that is that there's something a little bit unnerving about someone asking you who you're going to vote for while simultaneously holding a machine gun. And the British are squeamish about guns, and that is because we don't have guns in Britain. The reason being that the last time we had access to guns, we conquered two-thirds of the world's landmass and instituted slavery. And hand on heart, I can't say that if we had guns, we wouldn't try and do that again. I'd love to think we wouldn't, but I think we might give it a crack. Yeah, but we've, we've got rosettes instead, John. And to me, going up to a polling station and seeing people with rosettes, that's even more sinister than, than machine guns. It's like a psychological machine gun. Is the story coming out of Pakistan now not yet another example of democracy which we are forcibly gifted around the world going badly? And what part of gift of democracy are these countries struggling to understand? It is staggering ingratitude. They've been very badly raised, these nations... All children learn that when you're given a present by somebody, you should both write a thank you letter and pretend you like it, even if you don't. Maybe play with it or, you know, wear it whenever you next see that person. I would uh, argue that the gift of democracy uh, has not been quite as generous as it might first appear, particularly uh, in Iraq. All we really did was uh, gather up all the millions and millions of unused ballot papers from the last British and American elections and dump them in a skip outside Baghdad with a lorry load of pencils and some rosettes saying <coughs> the West that were left over from Crufts. But they shouldn't have taken sponsorship from Al-Qaeda. I know money's money, but you've got to draw a line somewhere, John. No-one wants to see a pooch with an anti-West slogan emblazoned across his furry chest. Uh, let us know what you think should be done with Pakistan, because, frankly, I don't have the foggiest idea, and it's not really any of my business. Uh, John, what's your suggestion for Pakistan? Well, 
let me just say before I suggest that, Andy, that I, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm in the very strange situation of having met Musharraf. Uh, about 12 months ago. He was a guest on The Daily Show. We had to do the show behind bulletproof glass that day as a precursor to the trouble that was ahead. Nothing says, are you ready for comedy to an audience better than bulletproof glass. (laughs) But the bulletproof glass ran out at my part of the desk. (laughs) It covered Jon Stewart and Musharraf, and it did not cover John Oliver. The only thing I can remember talking to Musharraf about was that afterwards... uh, saying to him that he was very funny. And to be honest, I regret that now, because he's been a lot less funny since that point. Maybe his sense of humour has just dated badly, like Benny Hill. Thanks for listening, Buglers. Fancy something totally non-newsy? The Bugles' collaboration with fictitious fiction writer Dancy Lagarde is now on pre-sale. Go to thebuglepodcast.com to order a copy. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.